All right, all right. That was wonderful. Okay, so before our speaker, um, how about, I just want to remind everyone to take notes, okay? I know a lot of times when we hear an awesome speaking, that's all I remember that it was awesome, but I don't remember what they talked about. So how about we all take notes and let's turn it over to our speaker, Brian Roca. Okay, hi. How's it going, everyone? So good to see everyone. Man, rooted. Praise the Lord. Um, okay. Who words? Um, well, like Hiram said, uh, my name is Brian, and I, I, I'm part of staff on Christians on Campus at UMass Boston. And, yeah, I just want to reemphasize, you know, the faintest ink is better than the strongest memory, okay? So, just even if you have a horrible pen, use that pen to write down your notes. <clears throat> okay, so well, in this series of messages, we want to see something of the land of Canaan. All right, the land of Canaan, which is very much spoken about in the in the Old Testament, but actually, you know, in the first eleven chapters of of Genesis, it's not mentioned, but the rest of the, of the Old Testament, it's mentioned and it's very much spoken about. Okay, and so the land is a type of the all-inclusive Christ. It's a type or a symbol of the all-inclusive Christ. And we'll get into that later on. But before we start, <clears throat> I'd just like to emphasize something to you all, okay? And it's a basic principle, and it's actually a governing principle that we should all have in mind when we're getting into this material, okay? And it's this, okay? It's this. I have something for you. Okay, it's this. Christ is the enjoyment of God's people. Okay, it's probably backwards, sorry. But just bear with me. Christ is the enjoyment of God's people. Okay, write that down. Christ is the enjoyment of God's people. Awesome. He's, the, he's our enjoyment. And so we should have this in view. Christ is the enjoyment of God's people. Okay. And in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were God's people, okay? And everything that happened to the children of Israel is an example to us, okay? It's an example to us. And so 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 6, and 11 says that. Paul is drawing his experience of his Jewish background, and he makes mention of this in the book of 1 Corinthians. And he says that the children of Israel are examples to us. So whatever they went through, whatever experience they went through, applies to us today. It applies to us today. Can you believe that? What happened way, way long ago applies to us right now. And so they were on a journey. The children of Israel were on a journey and they were going through different kinds of stations and stages. But guess what? So are we. We, in our Christian life, we are on a journey. Hallelujah. We're on a journey. And so we're going to start this journey, okay? <clears throat> and so in the first station, you know, that the children of Israel were in, they were in Egypt, okay? And Egypt in the Bible represents the world. And the children of Israel were enslaved in Egypt under a harsh, horrible, terrible ruler named Pharaoh. And Pharaoh in the Bible represents Satan, okay? And so just imagine, just imagine 
put yourselves in their shoes. Remember, they are examples to us. And they were in Egypt under bondage, under slavery. You know, they, their value was as if they were, a, a, they were the same as cattle or a piece of property. They were subhuman. They were worth nothing, okay? They were worth nothing. And they were enslaved in Egypt under this horrible king, under this whole horrible ruler. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Moses shows up. Moses shows up in Exodus chapter 3 and talks to them about this God that they kind of knew. They didn't really know about this God. They kind of knew about him, but this God said that he will come. He says, I have come down to deliver them. I have come down to deliver them. This is what he says. It's kind of unbelievable because they didn't really know this God. But this was the desire of God's heart. He wanted to deliver Egypt, uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's his desire. Why? Well, I was looking at this verse in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, and Hosea 11, 1 says this. It says, out of Egypt, I called my son. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And so this group of people, this collective group of people, the children of Israel, they were, they were it's as if they were, all of them as a, as a whole, were God's son. And if you pair this verse with Galatians 3.26, Galatians 3.26 says this. It says, we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And so, again, they are our examples. They were considered God's. It's just like any other father who desires to get his children out of a horrible situation. This was our God. He wanted to get them out of Egypt, out of that terrible situation because his desire was that they would be in a whole nother realm and a whole nother position. You know, realm means everything. Our position means everything. And the position we are in may, may make or break our Christian life. And so this matter of realm means everything. I'll give you an example. You know, in this country, there is a lot of uh, immigrants from all over the world. You know, my parents are from, my dad is from Ecuador. My mom is from Nicaragua. You know, they came to this country uh, seeking a better life. And once they got here, yeah, they could enjoy the, the, the riches of this country. But even that much more, when they became a U.S. citizen, they can enjoy the riches to the full. Because realm means everything. They were transplanted from one place to another to enjoy all that they could, uh, could get in this country. And that's what God wants with his people. He wanted to get them out of Egypt and transfer them into another place, one position, I mean, another uh, position. And we'll get into that. And so uh, this is what he desires. And so realm means everything. Remember that. And so the beginning of the Christian life and the beginning of the children of Israel, their journey was actually an exit. You know, the book of Exodus, the book of Exodus is actually, you know what Exodus means? It means exit. <laughs> There's a book in the Bible titled Exit. <laughs> Can you believe it? And so now when you look at on top of your door, you know, um, maybe in, in your classrooms, you know, when we used to, when you guys used to go to school, 
<laughs> you know, on top of the door, it would say exit. Whenever you see that sign, the first thing that you should think of is Exodus. <laughs> Exodus. Praise the Lord for Exodus. This is what the Lord desires. He desires that his people will get out, get out from the Egypt and get into the wilderness, right? And, this, <clears throat> and so, but how did they get out? Okay. How did they get out? They got out in a particular way. There was a Passover feast. And that Passover feast, it, was, it involved a lamb. And so they had to eat the whole lamb, the head, the eyes, the, the legs, the inward parts. Why? Well, the head, you know, they needed to know how to get out. And so they needed wisdom. Legs, well, they needed strength to get out and walk. And so they needed to eat the legs. So they all had significance. But in Exodus 20, uh, 12, <clears throat> verse 3, it talks about the Passover lamb. But what's interesting is in the New Testament, in John 1, 29, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world when he saw Jesus. Oh my, this is amazing. You know, whenever we look at Exodus 12, 3, and we see the Passover lamb, we see the word lamb, we should think of Jesus. And our response should just be, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That lamb that was in the Old Testament, according to John 1, 29, is Jesus. That's so awesome to me. Wow, it's like mind-blowing that Jesus is this lamb. He's the lamb of God. And so they had to eat this lamb to get out. And once they got out, they crossed the Red Sea. They made it to the other side. They're standing on the shore because they've crossed over. You know, their world, the world they once knew is now over. Pharaoh the most, and his army, the most powerful army in the whole world at that time, was buried and swallowed in the Red Sea. And they're happy. And they're praising. And now they're separated. But what now? What now? Well, <clears throat> you know, it took a very short time to get the Israelites out of Egypt. But it's going to take the next 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. You know, for a Christian, it may take a short time to get saved out of the world. And so we may be, you know, get, we may get out, get out of the world, but it'll take our whole life to get the world out of the Christian. And so, <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we need, we, need, we need another diet. We need another diet. We need to be fed something, something else that we're not used to. You know, the, be the, the best uh, dietitian is our Jehovah God. And so, <clears throat> you know, just a little example, you know, my, my, like I said, my dad's from Ecuador. And, you know, I was born and raised in, in the United States. I I'm born and raised here. You know, and I've, I've been to Ecuador before and, you know, I went there and they gave me one time I sat down in a fine dining place and they came and gave me cuy. Well, what is that? That's guinea pig. They gave me a guinea pig on a plate. And I looked at that guinea pig and, sorry, I didn't have a desire to eat that guinea pig. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, just didn't have the desire to eat it. Why? Because at the very core of my being, I'm just not used to eating that. And I'm, we don't eat that here in the, in the USA. You know, we don't eat that here. Sorry. And so my constitution is American. 
but I need, I needed, in order to live there, eventually I would be reconstituted, re reconstituted with the Ecuadorian diet. This is what needed to happen to the children of Israel. They needed to be reconstituted with a heavenly diet. But what matters most is our appetite. Appetite. Our appetite needs to change. What we crave for, what we consume, what we desire in, in terms of food, but even uh, entertainment and everything, that has to do with our appetite. And in Exodus uh, 16, 2 to 3, and Numbers 11, 4 to 5, the children of Israel were murmuring and complaining. And it's as if they were sitting around the bonfire or something and speaking about the old days in Egypt. They were just complaining and they wanted to be back in Egypt because they missed the cucumbers, the garlics, the leeks, the food, their Egyptian ways. But this is after they got saved. But they're still wanting that life back there. And even in Numbers 11, 4 to 5, it says that they lusted exceedingly. They lusted exceedingly for that kind of life. And they and it even said they wept. Can you believe that they wept for that life that they used to have and it was under slave? They were in bondage. But it's because their constitution, they were Israelites, but actually inside, deep down inside, the very core of their being, they were Egyptian. They were Egyptian. And so God needed to do something. He needed to rain down manna. And so in Exodus 16, 4, it talks, it says that Jehovah God rained bread out of heaven that's a miracle bread came out of the sky if we saw that today i don't know we would we would flip because that is crazy to to have bread falling down from the sky but you know what in the new testament in john 6 51 jesus says he's the living bread that came down out of heaven oh my wow and so we when we see manna in the Old Testament, our response should be, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That should be our response. That's Jesus. He's the, he's the living bread who, need, who wants to reconstitute me so, so that I can have another constitution. Okay? And so there's even another wonderful example of a type, a symbol in the Old Testament with the fiery serpents you know in numbers chapter 21 in numbers chapter 21 it's, again the children of israel were complaining and they were mad and so jehovah god he got upset and he sent down fiery serpents fiery serpents poisonous serpents and they were biting the children of israel and all and a lot were dying and so moses prayed and jehovah said make a fiery serpent make a bronze serpent a, basically a fake serpent put it on a pole and all the israelites who lit who look will live that's numbers 21 but you go to the new testament you know we all know the famous verse john 3 16 john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son it's an awesome verse but what about john 3 14 and 3 uh 3 15 it's, it's almost as if we forget about those verses <laughs> But those, John 3, 14 says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Son of Man 
That's Jesus. Our Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And even though he was a man, he did not have sin. You know, the, the fiery bronze serpent that Moses lifted up looked like a snake, had the form of a snake, but it did not have poison. Jesus looked like a man, was in the form of a man, but did not have sin. And so he was qualified to die on the cross for us. Wow, so Jesus is that bronze serpent. He, what? That's Jesus. Jesus was lifted up. This is amazing. All these types, all these symbols are amazing. They show us a picture of who our Christ is and what experiences are the children of Israel who are examples to have passed through. But even though these types are wonderful, guess what? The goal is the good land. Good land. And so the, the, the goal in, is the land, and that's our final, that's the final destination. You know, in Deuteronomy 8, 7, it says this. Let me just read you this verse. It's awesome. This is awesome, okay? It says this. For Jehovah your God is bringing you to a good land. Now, whenever the word good is in the Bible, it's good. It's good. So it's a good land, and it's a land of water brooks. Wow, water brooks sound awesome. Water brooks of springs, of fountains, flowing. And this is my best part. This, this is my favorite part. Flowing forth in valleys and mountains. And verse, um, let me fast forward to uh, verse 8. It says flowing with, somewhere it says, I can't, verse 8 and verse 9. It says flowing with milk and honey. I think that is in Exodus, actually, chapter 3, verse 8. It says that this land is flowing with milk and honey. Doesn't that sound good? I, I want to be there. I, I want to be in that land. I want to be in that land enjoying water brooks, fountains, springs, oh, milk, honey. This is delicious. And we'll get, we'll get into the details uh, in another time, another Wednesday. But <clears throat> just want to paint the picture of this land. You know, so Deuteronomy 8, 7 says, good land, good land. But what is this good land, okay? In Colossians 1.12, in the book of Colossians, this is the New Testament. Paul wrote the book of Colossians. And when he wrote the book of Colossians, it's as if he had the whole Old Testament right in front of him. And he was drawing from the Old Testament. And he makes reference in 1.12, he says, allotted portion. He says, we have been in, in, uh, given an allotted portion of, of the land. And he's referring to the land in Joshua chapter 14, where a piece of the land, a lot, was given to the children of Israel. Just a lot, a piece. So he's referring to that. And then Paul in verse 2, chapter, uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 6, he says, walk in him. How do you... How do you walk in a person? And see, he says, you know, we need to walk in him, walk in Christ. Well, it's because Christ is the land. Christ is the land. And then it says, okay, it says then be rooted in verse 7, being rooted in him. How, how can we be rooted in a person? You know, it's, it's unthinkable. But it's because Christ is the land. He is the land. We can walk in him and we can be rooted in him. And even if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, 
Abraham was promised a land, you know, it's promised, but it's like, okay, in the New Testament, what is that land? Well, in, in Romans, or actually in Galatians 5, 16, it says, walk by the spirit. So we're walking in him as the land. We're being rooted in him as the land. Christ is the land. But now in Galatians 5, 16, it says, walk by the spirit. Big ass, walk by the spirit. And so it's like, okay. And then if you go to Romans chapter 8, it says, walking according to the spirit. Little s. So what is it? The big S, the Holy Spirit, the little s, man spirit. You know, we all have a human spirit. If you look at Zechariah 12, 1, it says the spirit of man, little s, the spirit of man. So we all have a spirit. Well, this is the, is the big S, little s. It doesn't matter. What matters is that 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So actually this Christ, who is the land, is in our spirit. Christ as the land is in our spirit, enabling us to walk in him and be rooted in him. This is amazing. Christ is the land. Hallelujah. And he's in our spirit. Hallelujah. And he's enabling us to live, walk, and have our whole life in him. This is why Colossians chapter 3 Verse 11 says that Christ is all and in all. He wants to bring us into this realm. Remember, remember that? He wants to bring us into this realm, into this position, into this land where we're living in our spirit, being rooted and grounded in Christ as our allotted portion. Praise the Lord. And so, this one, he gets his desire and his ultimate intention when, when we experience Christ in the land. You know why? Because in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 11, it says that the glory filled the house of Jehovah. In the land, there's the temple and there's the city, the kingdom and the city. So you have image and dominion. You know, whenever you see the word glory in the Bible, it refers to expression. It's God expressed. Glory is God expressed. And so this, this draws me back and reminds me of Genesis 1.26. You know, in the land, in the land, it takes us all the way back to God's original intention. This is why the land is so important to experience Christ in this way, because it brings us back all the way to the beginning where in Genesis 1.26, it says, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Image, image refers to expression. Just like glory is God expressed, image refers to expression. And we all have heard of this example of the hand and the glove, the glove and the hand. The glove in itself does not express anything. But once you put the hand in the glove, the glove now expresses the hand. But let me give you another example where it says here, it says here, God bottles. God bottles. Okay, let's say I'm driving, and I'm in my car, I'm on a road trip, and I'm going, and I get thirsty. Well, I'm, what am I going to do? I'm going to stop, 
at a, at a gas station and go inside and grab something to drink. And let's say I grab apple juice. How do I know it's apple juice? Well, it's because it has a label that says apple juice. <laughs> apple juice. The label is the expression of the content. The label is the expression of the content. But what if I open this bottle and I start drinking it and something else comes out? I would be pretty upset because I paid for apple juice because the label expresses the content. Okay, let's say I'm a human bottle. I'm a human bottle, okay? Well, according to Genesis 1.26, what's my label? What's, what should be inside of me? Image is expression. Label expresses the concept. Well, God. <laughs> God. What's in me, what should be my content is God. Wow, this, this is amazing because it fulfills God's original intention. And so the land, our experience of Christ as the all-inclusive land fulfills God's eternal purpose. Because he has his image and he, and he will have his dominion. Praise the Lord. Okay, now just to wrap up, I gave you three, <clears throat> three little points. Okay, we, you know, the, our journey is progressive in our Christian life. And we go on in our Christian life. But actually, these three stations, a lot of times we still experience them day, day by day. Okay, and so with the lamb... We still need to re experience the redeeming Christ in terms of confessing our sins. We still need to confess our sins daily. You know, with the lamb, you have the blood. And so we need to turn our heart to the Lord day by day and confess our sins and be ready to be rooted and grounded and walk in Christ. Okay. Secondly, the manna is the reconstituting Christ. And so does it mean we, we leave, you know, Okay, I don't need man anymore. Well, uh, we, we still need to eat of the Lord Jesus. We still need to eat of him. We still need to have our life surrounded by reading the Bible and getting with the other members in our group, getting with our community groups, as Hiram was talking about. Okay, this is, this is daily. And then the land, the land is the all-inclusive Christ. But what is, the, what is the land for? It's for our living. It's for us to live. It's for us to have a realm. It's for us to live, walk, and be immersed in Christ. Where we're thinking about Christ. If I'm drinking this apple juice, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, Lord Jesus, wow, you're my real apple juice. <laughs> you know, in that verse in Deuteronomy 8, 7, it says he's a fountain. He says he springs. You know, if we drink some water, Lord, you're my real water. Anyways, this is the all-inclusive Christ as, the, as this land is for our living and our walking and to be found in him moment by moment. Well, I hope this was a, little, this was a help to you all. And this is just an in, in, introductory word. And as we go forward, we're going to be rooted. We're going to be living. We're going to be walking. We're going to be immersed with Christ. We're going to be enjoying him to the uttermost in our groups. And we're just going to be filled. And we're going to be happy, happy, joyful Christians. Praise the Lord.